Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. I said strike the ground. Second Kings chapter 13. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken Elisha, put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took, the, took them, Elisha told them, strike the ground. He struck it three times and he stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed. But now you will defeat it only three times. Amen. Say with me, strike the ground. And I'm talking about obedience. When God gives you an instruction, the moral of the story is when God gives you an instruction without a definite ending, you keep doing what Don told you to do. I don't know. It's a little south of here. But you understand. You need to keep doing what he told you to do. When you're not hearing something new from God, you do go back and you fulfill, you obey the last instructions that he done told you to do. Are you with me? Amen. The prophet Elijah was suffering from the illness of which he died. Although the stories about the prophet and the king. Let us stop for just a few moments and consider the prophet. The prophet Elijah was one who had served the prophet Elijah for many years. He was the one who when his master was taken up to heaven. Picked up the mantle that fell. There was a pursuit of the man of God. We all know the story but I want to emphasize here today about how Elijah was now walking with a mantle that Elijah up with the mantle of Elijah, as it happened, age is no respecter of person, social class, race, gender, or socioeconomic status. Elijah was sick from the illness from which he died. Apparently, the news of the illness reached King Jehoash of Israel. King Jehoash left his throne and went to see the aging ill prophet and wept over him. We can safely infer from, infer from this that there was a close relationship between these two men. The king was mourning for the prophet. What this tells me was that they had spent time together and that they loved each other. King Jehoash wept over the prophet. The king sensed that this was probably the last time he was going to see him. We're, we Here we see the interaction between a representative of government and a representative of God. When the king saw the prophet, he cried, My father, my father, the horsemen and the chariots of Israel. The first time that we hear this exact expression is found in Second Kings, and this we know when Elijah was following Elisha was following Elijah, and uh, you know they kept telling him, "Look, stay here because I'm, I'm going to this town." He said, "No, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you." And he went on and on, Amen, until they got to the place of the Jordan, and they got a, they went across, and then. So as they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot and fire and horses of the fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a world when Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. 
We're all familiar with the story. Elijah was a servant and an apprentice to Elijah, Elijah the prophet. Years earlier, God had spoken to Elijah to get, to get a successor. We find this in 1 Kings chapter 18. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, appoint Hazel, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meloah to succeed you as a prophet. See, these are the instructions that God gave the prophet Elijah. This is noteworthy. We need to understand that God is a God of continuity. He's a God of generations. He's not only the God of the present, but he's also the God of the future. And, uh, and let me tell you something. I have learned that a long, that an eternal God with long-lasting promises can only fulfill his will in, gener- in, in temporary man. Because as people, we're temporarily limited by a lifetime. When, when God gives you a promise, it's not only to you, but he gives it to you generationally. There are promises that God gave to my grandparents that I am now seeing fulfilled. There gener- are promises that God gave to my parents that now I'm getting to live. But there are promises that God has given me that my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren will see fulfilled. And the, the true heart of a spiritual parent is the one that the best part comes to their generations. How many say yes and amen? Because God is a generational God. Hallelujah. He wants to bless you and he wants to bless your generation out of the dysfunctionality that some of us have had in our past, in our generations. God is going to redeem it. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for your good. What was meant to be a shameful story will turn into a glorious story of redemption. Hallelujah. Where there were prostitutes, there will be preachers of the gospel. Hallelujah. Where there was addictions, there will be the glory of God manifested in the lives of many. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He has long-term plans on earth. His plans are good. His plans are perfect. God has plans for all of humanity and for their generations. That is why he sent his only begotten son to die. Hallelujah. And to make a way of reconciliation when there was apparently no other way. Hallelujah. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Hallelujah. Jesus' statement was unequivocal. It totally excludes any other possibility for salvation. Hallelujah. It's not all dogs go to heaven. There is no other. See, I am the way, not a way. I am the way. Truth is not a series of facts and figures. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. How many say yes and amen? But going back to the prophet Elijah. We see here how God instructed Elijah to anoint two leaders. First, we see how he was instructed to anoint Hazel, king over Aram. This is a territory that was settled by, by Aram, who was the son of Shem, who was the son of Noah. But Aram was hostile towards the people of Israel. Then God instructed him to anoint Jehu, king over Israel. So far, we see how God is using Elijah to appoint kings over the region. 
This is a governmental anointing. God has put us to declare and decree his plan, his will and purposes over our lives, our marriages, our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. Oh, every place where the sole of our feet touch. Hallelujah. It's God's territory. You got to be conscious of the presence of God, of the authority that you carry in your life. Hallelujah. We don't live like running away from the devil. No. We know who we are and we know whose we are. We know where we're standing. Hallelujah. And if God is for us, who could be against us? Glory to God. You see, we're called through prayer and actions to affect the social, political environment in which we live. The coming move of God is going to shake the already, the already crumbling foundations of our society. See, we don't need a revival. We need a resurrection. Hallelujah. We need a move of God where multitudes will come in desperation. They will be. That's why you're building a building that appears to be too large. But I declare tonight, it ain't big enough. There will be multiple services, says God. The Lord God says they will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I see like a bridge across the continent coming to this house. Hallelujah. The Lord instructs Elijah to appoint Elijah as his successor. Hallelujah. See, we need to understand the context. When God gave Elijah these instructions. Because Elijah was actually running for his life from Ahab and from Jezebel. He was at that very point where God says, stop. You know, have you watched that? The dog whisper. God has to come get our attention. Sometimes we get so focused. We have ADDH, you know. God has to. You know what I'm talking about. This Elijah, don't let Jezebel. Don't let. Listen, the problem is that we've been acknowledging devils for too long. When they don't mean a thing. See, you're the only one that could give it credence. And unless you give it a platform. It has no platform. It is not legitimate. It is not of God. Are you with me? The enemy came to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus. You see, in the midst of all this persecution, in this awful trial, God has instructed the prophet to set in place two kings and to appoint his own successors. See, God is saying, take your, take your eyes off the unusual adversary or, or, or roadblocks in your life or in your ministry and put your eyes on what I am doing in the future. Don't worry about this. I'm going to handle this. You focus on what I'm telling you. Are you with me? See, but we're waiting for the moment of the day in this just weird way of thinking when everything is just right and the moon is just in the right place and the planet is just aligned. It ain't going to happen. You obey God and you do what he tells you to do no matter what is going on. Come on, somebody. My God didn't wait for me to retire from medicine like I thought I should. I knew there was a call in my life, but my God, I wasn't, I just wasn't quite prepared. And I just agreed with a common, common wisdom, if you call it that, said that I could be one or the other, that I would have to leave medicine. But, you know. God didn't create me. You know, this is one problem. I, I agreed with that. But I said, yeah, you're right. Maybe I need to leave medicine. God says, who told you that you were supposed to leave medicine? 
I said, did I say that? I said, well, no, sir, you didn't. He says, that's because I created you to be both. Not either or. There is a generation, not of this or that. See, we thought that there's a generation of this or that, but there is a generation that will be this and that and that and that and that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, to Elijah, this series of instruction may have seemed disconnected, but God is the one who will protect us and guide us through any and every crisis. He sees the beginning from the end. He has anointed you, your Holy Ghost and power. You will go through the fire, but you will not even smell like smoke. See, most of the times, see, I thought that God would save me from, but my God more often saves us through than from. Come on, somebody. Because the world is not impressed with God saves you from something. But when they watch you grow through the valley of the shadow of death. Hallelujah. Hey, y'all. Shadows can't hurt you. Shadows cannot hurt you. See, he's still God in the middle of the storm. The coat of Elisha. We will know in First Kings chapter 19. And we know... How he was driving a yoke of 12 yoke of oxen. A man in Elijah just went by and threw his, his mantle on him. Elijah left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah. See? We find here how Elijah found Elisha. It's interesting to me that Elijah did not go to one of the school of prophets to have auditions. He did not go to the place of worship to appoint his successor. Elijah went to the obscure field of hard work and consistency. It was there that he found Elijah actively working the ground. There was no audience to cheer him on. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. He was contributing to the well-being of his household. He was pulling his weight. He was in charge of 12 yoke of oxen. He was not there as a supervisor, spectator. He was there as a servant leader and participated in the hard labor of breaking the ground to make it ready for the planting of the seed. Are you tracking with me, church? You see, the prophet went to the fields of hard work and consistency to find the one that would carry on with the prophetic ministry. It is very important to understand that the successor is one of the greatest prophets that was found in the, in the field working. The first contact did not entail words. The first thing that the prophet did, Elijah did to Elisha was he threw his cloak around him and he walked away. We know the rest of the story, how Elisha ran after the prophet and then. He went and killed his oxen and burned the equipment to cook the meat to feed his workers. We see here how Elisha was impacted by the cloak of the prophet. He was a man who was wealthy and was in charge of many others. Yet, when the cloak touched him, he went and closed that chapter of his life so that he could begin another. See, when God calls you, he does not call you to leave everything. A wake of destruction and disorder in your path. Because God is a God of order. And God will give you the wisdom. 
amen, to bring proper closure to the things that you need to. God, God is putting, God is putting things in order for some of you who have grown frustrated and who think, you know, see, the suddenlies of God sometimes take a long time. See, it's a suddenly to us, but behind the scenes, God has been working for years and it's not because he takes a long time, but it takes God, took God a long time to take, to get through this thick skull of mine. I don't know about yours. Safe to talk about me. If you know Elisha did not leave his affairs unattended, he actually went to his parents, bid them farewell. He did not say to his parents, I'm going to go with the greatest prophet of the land. I'm done with y'all. No. He honored his parents and left things in order. Then he killed his own oxen. I'm talking about the ones he was working with. He also burned his own equipment. He did not kill all of the oxen and burned all of the equipment. Because he would have left them in pure poverty. See, when God calls you, he expects you to sacrifice something that belongs to you. David said, I will not give something to the Lord that did not cost me something. See, we want to offer a sacrifice on somebody else's back and dying. But it don't work that way now. Which brings me to the point that when God calls someone, he expects them to make a contribution from their, what they own. God expects you to make an investment in your own call. Elisha did not leave his parents financially ruined by killing all the 12 yoke of oxen. He only invested his own oxen and equipment. When God calls you, you need to kill your own oxen and your own equipment. Do not expect others to kill their oxen and burn their equipment for you. You know how many people have come to me. I'm called, but they're not willing to lift a finger. Uh-uh. Thanks, but no thanks. See, you gotta, you gotta have some skin in the game. You gotta have some skin in the game. Because if it costs you nothing, you will not value it or appreciate it. That's just human nature. See, the, the, the whole point is Elisha was not looking for a prophet position. He was just an ordinary man doing what was in his hand to do. He was not looking to connect with Elijah. He was not trying to network or access Elijah. He was not stalking him on Facebook or Instagram. I guess I didn't have those at that time, but you know what I mean. He did not go looking for promotion. Promotion came looking for him. You know, for promotion, see, that's the problem. Many have missed their call, their appointment with promotion because they've gone off and left their duty, what God has called them to do at the moment. And promotion came looking for them at the heart, at the field of hard work and consistency. And they were off somewhere in some conference trying to take. I'm so, Are y'all tracking with me? Because it's God is more impressed by our consistency. God is more impressed by what we do in the secret place. And the one that we should be impressing is the one that sometimes we run from. And we think that someone who's anointed has got to see us. That's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. Listen, I was minding my own business. I had my hands full. I ain't looking for more work to do, more people to... Thanks, but no, thank you. Well, when he calls you, when he calls you, this is the thing that the calling carries you. You don't have to carry the calling. The calling is like 
My God, when I, when I fully stepped in, I said, my God, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. My God, my God, I, am in, I feel complete. I feel like this is what I've always been meant to be. Because that's what God created me to do. Hallelujah. It's natural. The problem is we need to learn to be naturally supernatural. You see what I'm when I'm doing these telemedicines. Look, it keeps happening, bro. I'm trying to be a doctor, and the Holy Ghost just come in, saying, "Come on, Jesus." There's another pastor from another state the other day. I said, "Sir, I don't know what it is, but I sense the Holy Ghost." He says, "Me too. I can't." Stop. And look, we wept, we cried, we prayed, we prophesied. I said, "Well, what was your problem?" I call that an anointing for the workplace. There is an anointing for the workplace. See, there are people in your workplace that need to see you living out your Christianity. They, only Jesus they will see is the Jesus in you. Woo. My God. I'm getting drunk, y'all. Be faithful in the here and the now. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. God is watching what you do in your ordinary life before he can trust you with the extraordinary assignment. See, we want the extraordinary, but we're not willing to do the ordinary. God's going to do something extraordinary. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to do something extraordinary? Extra obedience. Extra prayer. Extra faithfulness, extra consistency. Do you see what I'm talking about? But we want just the extraordinary. We want the end when we need to do, add the extras to our ordinary. Come on. Yeah. So God is looking for those who are not trying to make it about themselves. God is looking for those who not only, who not only bark orders, but with their actions, they roll up their sleeves and get to do the work. It's not the do as I say person, but the do as I say and do as I do kind of person. He's looking for those who get the job done. He's looking for those who are willing to break a sweat. And who are willing to give the recognition to Jesus. So Elisha went from there and found Elisha, son of Shepha, who was plowing the 12. Notice that after Elisha had left his parents, killed his yoke of oxen, burned his plowing equipment. He set out to follow Elijah. Not only he set out to follow Elijah, but he also became his servant. In the natural, this was a major demotion. If you're looking, if he was a social climbing socialite who's only looking at positions. See, in the kingdom, the way up is down. The greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. What is a great wit? Ministry, you down the towel of servanthood. Just exactly where you are. Fathers and mothers, you serve each other and you serve your kids. You serve in your local church. You honor those around you. And you honor, you're not, you're not tired to take an anointing gauge. Because sometimes we're trying to have a dipstick like trying to measure the level of anointing. It ain't like that, no. You honor others because God is an honorable God and because you are honorable. That's why you honor. <sighs> C. 
See, Elijah did not promise him a position. He promised, he did not promise him recognition, wealth, or fame. The offer was to become a servant. No wonder the Bible says in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humble. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a funny thing how those who are looking for recognition and the limelight don't seem to find it. While those who are not looking for these things are found by them. But getting back to the original scripture for today. We now fast forward to the end of the life and ministry of Elisha. Elisha was sick with the illness that he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, heard that the prophet was sick. So he came down to see him. When the king saw the prophet, he wept over him. The king began, the king began to mourn for the old prophet. If we look at the history of Jehoash, he was a rebellious king. He was not where he needed to be. But it seems to me that he had taken for granted the prophet that God had put in his life. It amazes me how there are people who persist on their rebellious ways. How they resist the correction and the instructions. They just want to be plumb dysfunctional. You ever met anybody like that? Please don't everybody raise your hands at the same time. But then after time has passed, they finally come to their senses. Just like the prodigal son. My encouragement for us today is allow the Holy Spirit to search your own heart. Do not waste precious time. Remember, you don't have eternity to do the will of God here on temporary earth. Eternity is for eternity, but here on temporary earth, there is a limited time. God is a God of second chance. Yes, he is. But don't you run out of natural time waiting for your second time. How many people I met in their deathbeds who wish, they didn't wish to spend one more day at work. They wanted to spend more time, number one, with God and with their family. That's it. It's amazing when we face the finality of our life, how our perspective radically changed. Well, I invite you to allow God to open up your eyes so that you can see the end, so that you can modify your present and how you live. My encouragement for us today is allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Do not waste precious time. Remember that you don't have all the time in the world. Take an inventory of your life and of the people in your life. That person that you seem to despise because they require accountability of you is not there to make your life miserable. God has put people like this in your life to, to save you from yourself. See, sometimes because I didn't want to listen to my friends, God sent an enemy to tell me truth. Now, don't shout me down in this holy house today. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? No wonder the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We're here at a place where the king is at the prophet's house and he's in mourning. But the prophet who is sick in his body is not sick in his spirit. Let me just pause here for a moment. I see people who are called of God put on pause their call because of an illness or another roadblock. Your body may be sick, but your spirit, man, is not. Glory to God. I have personally seen a general of the faith in his deathbed. His body was decimated by the illness, yet his spirit, man, was stronger than ever. I've seen it with my own eyes. This man, he was basically the last time I saw him alive. 
and there was a group of us in that room. And he was saying, basically sh- shook everybody, saying, I was the last one. I said, I ain't leaving this room without that man praying for me. When he extended his hand to, to shake my hand, I took his head and placed it on my head. I plummeted to the ground because there was such was the discharge of anointing and power that was resident in that man's body, even though he was sick. His spirit man was stronger than ever. Do not judge someone by outward appearances. Hallelujah. Man looks upon outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. He was sick and frail, yet he was strong and powerful in the spirit. The prophet, instead of having a pity party with the king, began to do a series of prophetic acts. The prophet did not have time to weep. He had a mission to perform. The prophet began to give instructions to the king. The first one was to take a bow and arrows, and the king did so. Then the prophet instructed, instructed the king to open the east window. It's interesting to note that the east window was a direction where all the enemies of Israel, that's where the attacks of the enemies of Israel came from. The east window represents the areas of vulnerability in our life. That's where the enemy comes in and tries to defy you and tries to remind you of your past. But you got to remind him of his future because it ain't too bright. See? See, this, the enemy has attacked us. But if we notice, the prophet asked first for the bow and arrows. Before you open the east window, you need to be prepared for war. You need to have your weapons at your disposal. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We, we, don't, we don't have ordinary weapons. We have extraordinary, supernatural, divine weapons. These weapons are destructive to the enemy. They're designed to give you overwhelming victory. Say with me, I'm packing. See, all of you are packing. You just don't realize. Come on, somebody. You, you're carrying with you the weapons of your warfare. You can send demons and devils running for their lives. We need to have ready access to our weapons. We need to be familiar. See, in the military, I had to learn to use my weapon. After the king was holding the arrow and the bow, he was instructed to open the east window. I feel in my heart that most, of, if not of all of us, have an east window that we have sealed off at one time or another. King Jehoash obeyed the instructions of the ailing prophet and opened the east window. The old prophet put his hands over the hand of the king. What this typifies is the working together of different generations in different realms. God is calling for unity of purpose in the body of Christ. Unity of purpose. I cannot do what you do, but you cannot do what I do. But when we all decide, instead of being feeling threatened by one another, celebrate one another, egg each other on. Because when you win, I win. When I win, you win. Sometimes we act like God can only give so many crowns. As if. Really? The younger generation needs direction, instructions, and encouragement from the older generation. We all need men and women of God in our lives that will counsel and correct us. We don't have what it takes to open the east window of our lives by ourselves. We need others who have done it before. We need the encouragement and support from others. The king opened the east window. The next instruction was to shoot an arrow. 
See, to shoot an arrow towards the east was a declaration of war on the cap of the enemy. The king shot the arrow to the east out of the east window. Remember that there was agreement between the king and the prophet. Remember that one will put a thousand to flee, but two will put ten thousand to flee. Where to agree on anything on earth, it will be done in heaven. Shooting an arrow of the east window towards the east was the declaration of war. This is the pattern here. Generational unity and agreement will bring God's blessings and direction. Remember that there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. Do not declare war by yourself. Make sure that you have others to support you. Make sure that you're under authority. Authority under authority. No lone rangers. Authority under authority. Because sometimes people go into regions and they want to buy a strong man. And then all of a sudden they're up to their elbows in alligators. I know you don't got them up here. But orcas or something, I don't know. And you're wondering, what, what, done, what do you do? Well, you were, yeah, you have authority, but if, you, if you're not in your jurisdiction... See, a police officer in Louisiana can come up here, and he can, all he can do is a citizen's arrest. But he don't have, he's out of his jurisdiction. He's got authority, but he's out of his jurisdiction. Make sure that you are in your jurisdiction and that you are under authority. Jesus was a man under authority. Although he had absolute authority, when he came as a man, he chose to, to function in delegated authority of the Father. Somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to hear this today because, see, the way up in the kingdom is down. And the way to have authority is to get under authority. And the way to have more authority is to humble yourself. Amen. And embrace correction and instruction. It's not that the leader is trying to keep you down. The leader, God will hold them accountable and God has put in to watch over your soul because if you get to use your authority and you're not yet ready. See, the gospel is like a huge cannon. You cannot shoot it out of a little canoe. You got to build. That's the character. You got to build a boat that's big enough. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? See, because I, I see Jesus working and I hear the Holy Ghost and the hearts are being tested because this is going to be explosive here. And all of y'all are, are the servants, the leaders that are going to usher in this great move of God for this region. Each and every one under the sound of my voice. And there are more coming. And if some of you resist, God will bring someone else better than you if he has to. But he don't want to. Because he's chosen you. My God, I don't want a medal. My Jesus, come on. <laughs> Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. I have seen individuals go to regions to bind the strong man. I don't recommend you do that. Amen. One last thing about the arrow flying. God has given us air supremacy through prayer. See, when I was in the first Gulf War in the Middle East, the first thing we did was get air supremacy. We bound down every airplane of the enemy. We took their airstrips down. Come on in prayer. You got air supremacy. Those that wait upon the Lord.
shall renew their strength. They shall mount. They ain't going to run around like turkeys. In the, no, you're going to mount up with wings like eagles. No turkeys, eagles. Turkeys go for eating, you know. The arrow of victory over Aram in the same manner we declare that no weapon from against you will prosper. We will condemn every tongue that would rise up against us in judgment. Then he said, then the, the, king, the prophet said to the king, take the arrows. Where, where are the, the arrows? Give them to me. And so, Elisha told him to strike the ground with the arrows. Wait a minute. Arrows are made to be put in a bow. And to be shot in the air. But the instruction of God appeared to be counterintuitive and out of the box and almost plumb insane. But when God tells you something, you better go do it. Because trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There was something in the heart of this king that God was trying to deal with. Let me go on. You see, he told him to strike the ground. The king who was experiencing war and with weapons did not appear to make, this did not appear to make sense to him. The king acquiesced. He, he agreed, I guess, and struck the ground only three times and then he stopped. The king must have thought and rightfully so that the arrows are for, are for the bow and they're made for flying and not striking. Not striking the ground. Opening the east window and having the hands of the prophet of the hands of the king was dignified and appeared desirable. But now what God was instructing the king to do was to take the arrows. Not just one, but several of them. Can you imagine how awkward and uncomfortable this was for the king? His hand had to be stretched. Holding one arrow is easy, but several arrows brings discomfort. He had to try to hang on to the arrows. The instruction was not only to hold them, but to strike the ground with them. This is even more strange. I want us to step back for a moment and visualize what was happening here. The king was holding several arrows in his hand. And when he was asked to strike the ground with them, this was not just with the help of the prophet. Now he was on his own. You see, the other point here is that striking the ground with the weapons also sends vibrations into the into the arm and the body of the king that can produce discomfort. Let's just all stand up. Let's do a prophetic act. I want you to take in your hand several arrows. Take them in your right hand. The Lord, the instruction of the Lord is strike the ground. How can you strike the ground like this? What do you got to do? You got to bend down. You either got to get on your knees. Or you have to bend down. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So that in due season he will exalt you. Obedience. Obedience. The act of obedience. Inflicts personal discomfort. Inflicts before you can inflict discomfort on the camp of the enemy. Your flesh is going to have to submit to the will of the Spirit. 
And as you strike the ground, see, we want to strike the ground. We want to take over territory. But the first territory that God wants us to take is a territory right where we're standing. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Strike the ground. Come on. Strike the ground. Come on. Keep striking. Keep striking. Keep striking. The vibrations going forth through the Arctic Circle. I said, I said the vibration, the declaration of war. We're marking our territory for the King of Kings. We're taking territory and we begin exactly where we're at. How can we take over territory if we're not affecting our own territory? Strike the territory. Obedience may feel uncomfortable for a season, but the fruit of it is blessings and promotions. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You have unconventional weapons, God has unconventional strategies. Hallelujah! You can stop. Thank you so much. See, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. The purpose of the generational agreement is to help to empower and allow the present generation to stand on its own. What is even more awkward was that the king now had to bend down to strike the ground. He either bent down or had to get on his knees. He had to bend his will. He had to humble himself. This was not the way a king should be seen in public. Hallelujah! I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. When David's wife despised them because he was wildly dancing. Because the presence of God had been brought finally into Jerusalem after it had been in the house of Abinadab and then in the house of Obedidim. And the house of Obedidim was blessed. Because of the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Michal was it. Her name she despised them in her heart. But you know what she got for despising the man of God. Who was dancing wildly without dignity. She became more barren. See there are people who are comparing and despising in their hearts. The people that are actually doing something for God. But see there is a spiritual barrenness that comes upon them. Listen, they're inflicting it upon themselves. Hallelujah. I recommend change your heart. Repent before the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us are plumb too worried about our reputations. But we need to be free in Christ. The world already knows that we're plumb crazy. Go ahead, give them something to talk about. Yeah, let them call you weird let them they will they but in the end let's see who laughs last but the king had gone there to have a pity party with the prophet but now he had all changed the prophet was sick but God was still using the the prophet the king was now following the instructions of the Lord through someone that did not appear to be physically able do not judge people by their outward appearance do not be fooled by people's health status God can use anyone he wants in any conditions the presence or absence of health or wealth does not constitute a barrier to God he can use whoever he wants 
the instructions was to strike the ground. The king only struck it three times and they stopped. The king only partially obeyed the word. Remember that partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Because of his partial obedience, he only got partial victory. But I want to encourage you all under the sound of my voice to obey. If God says strike the ground, go ahead and go go for it. Humble yourself and bow before God. Go ahead and take on the towel of a servant. When God says to do something, keep on doing it until he says stop. Look, I don't want to be hip. I don't want to be all that. I just want to be found pleasing in the eyes of my king. When you're more concerned about what he says about you in the end. I often think when I look in the day of judgment into his eyes. Where I cannot hide anything. And he sees into my soul. The only things that I want to hear say well done. Good and faithful. Not good and talented. Not good and anointed. But good and faithful servant be faithful in the little oh that we will be faithful in our little how much more could this congregation accomplish and do see God is calling each and every person under the sound of my voice to take the arrows take the arrows and strike the ground right exactly where you are do not wait for the problems to go away or for the situations to get ideal you do it in the midst of the problem you do it in the midst of the trial you do it in the midst of the impossibility you say yes to Jesus hallelujah you look beyond hallelujah the God of victory the God of hope and of anointing is with you the God God will use the weak things of the world to confound the wise the things that are not us. Hallelujah. As though they are today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You don't want a partial victory. You want a complete overwhelming victory over the enemy. And I leave you with this. When God gives you instructions, do not limit your obedience. You know what? Your obedience should be a blank check. Check. God, you write him. You write what you want. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Remember, unlimited obedience bring unlimited victories and blessings to your life and to your generations. What God is doing in this place is much greater. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.